Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to a fresh series on the In Awe Podcast, my friends. As we enter into a new school cycle in the U.S., I wanted to be able to share voices from our youth to help not only remind us that those we serve have voices, but also to learn from their perspective and wisdom. Before we enter, I want to share this guiding quote for our time in this series by author Luella F. Phelan. Youth is not a time of life. It is a state of mind. People grow old only by deserting their ideals and by outgrowing the consciousness of youth. Years wrinkle the skin, but to give up enthusiasm wrinkles the soul. You are as old as your doubt, your fear, your despair. The way to keep young is to keep your faith young. Keep your self-confidence young. Keep your hope young. I can promise you that each of these episodes will help us do just that, friends. None of these guests disappointed. At each time I completed an interview, I felt more hopeful for our future, something I know I need right now. I believe these interviews this month will serve you just as well as they did me while recording them, and I cannot wait for you to meet today's guest. Erin Dickman is a 2020 graduate from Loveland High School in Ohio and a bright-eyed freshman at Ohio State University majoring in finance. Her years may be young, but her leadership experiences are deep, and her passion for serving others was refined through community outreach programs. She has interned for the City of Loveland in their finance department, served as the vice president of her high school's chapter of Democrats of America Club, served as a spokesperson for her school to the Secretary of State of Ohio, and notably spoke at a state conference for educators this past spring on a student panel. Erin possesses a sharp mind, a passionate vision for her future, and a wisdom beyond her years. In this episode, we gain from her perspective on what it was like to close one chapter as a high school student and open a new one into college life during a pandemic, no less. She shares her beautiful perspective on education and the power of failure and iteration. I was blown away by our conversation at each turn, and it was a true joy to speak with her. Heads up that there are times when it sounds like we are interrupting one another, but I promise you we are both ladies who would never steal another queen's thunder. Alas, technology foiled us a bit for the flow when our mode of recording mixed oddly. However, I didn't want cutting our conversation to steal too much gold from here. So thank you for your grace ahead of time. I am deeply honored to share with you Aaron Dickman's youthful voice. Welcome, Miss Erin Dickman, to the In Awe Podcast. I'm so excited to get to know you and also to share you with my listeners. They are absolutely going to love your story today. So welcome, welcome. We have you featured here on the Youth Series, In Awe of Youth. And I was able to read a little bit about your bio, some of your background, what you're interested in. But I wanted the listeners to be able to hear from you a little bit about your current context. Like, what is life like right now and where are you at in this beautiful world of ours? So I'm getting ready to move into my dorm on August 16th at... Ohio State University. That's exciting. And by the time we air this, you'll already be in. But what's what's kind of on your mind with that? I mean, you're not, you're experiencing a different move in than anyone has ever experienced before. Nobody listening to this podcast ever moved in during a pandemic. So what's on your mind? I think definitely about, and just like kind of going to campus about making friends and how different that is now, because, you know, a lot of the traditional ways of, you know, meeting people in your classes will a lot of my classes are online and 
um, and I'm six feet apart from everyone. And, you know, joining clubs, a lot of club meetings are online. So I think that's definitely on my mind moving in and then just kind of getting used to it while, you know, it lasts with kind of the possibility of being moved home at any time. Mm. Does that, just a personal question, does that fill you with any level of anxiety or are you an individual who can kind of handle that push-pull situation? You know, I think I just try not to think about it. And I think that's how I kind of put off the anxiety. But I would definitely classify myself as an anxious person. And that's something that I think that me and a lot of, you know, my friends who are going off to college have talked about of how different it is and how different than we expected, you know, when we were talking about college. Oh my in February. goodness. Yes. I, I can only imagine those circumstances. And so another question for you too, since that end of your bridge here is in front of you, I want to hear a little bit about behind you. Um, you know, love having you on this series. And I think it's going to give a good perspective to individuals who maybe don't have youth in their life right now, or someone who's just straddling that line between leaving high school into college. What was it like for you to end your senior year um, the way that you did? And, and how did that look for you? So we did, um, it was definitely sudden. I will say that. I feel like it was so unexpected, you know, cause it, my birthday was March 7th. And then literally, I, you know, I had like a normal, you know, I went out to dinner with my friends, like everything was kind of normal-ish at that point, you know, especially in our area, I think it had hit like the West coast by then, but and then a week later, everything is different. You know, I'm off from school and I'm doing online learning. So I know that um, different people had different experiences with this, but mine was, I feel like a lot less engaged. I pretty much just had a list of assignments every day to complete. So I feel like it was okay for me because I'm someone who definitely can you know, kind of keep myself on track. But I know that for a lot of my friends who struggle with like ADD and ADHD, or even like mental illness, and things like that, that really held them back. And I think it was really, really difficult time for them to keep themselves on track and, um, and keep themselves, you know, doing the assignments on that same schedule that school provides them. It's definitely a challenge for any one of us to keep ourselves focused when we're not being surveilled or held accountable <laughs> physically, right? Like teenagers, you know, and especially at that age where you're just trying to be independent, but also just this idea that your computer alone, your uh, phones or the access that you have to the, the general world really provides distraction that is right at the tip of your fingers. I'm sure that that had to play into it as well. Um, you know, coming at the end and just that senior slide or that senior itis or whatever it is that takes us all over would <laughs> be a part of, of life too, I would imagine. Did you have some experience with that yourself? Well, I think that, you know, I definitely had like days where I was, you know, not really wanting to do anything, but it also really did keep me motivated to have that list of assignments because I... I mean, I'm generally someone who likes school and who likes the work. So I feel like to have that and have that sense of normalcy still of like, okay, I'm going to read and do this assignment and, and still have that schoolwork. It really, I feel like it helps keep me on track because I was, you know, able to, you know, my sleep schedule definitely went haywire there for a while and it kind of messed up my productivity for sure. But I think that having that school work really helped me at least. Okay, so then were you able to have a graduation ceremony? How did that look in your world? Yeah, so my high school had a single family graduation. So we all um, kind of 
were, it was about a five minute ceremony. So we wore a mask inside the school. And then once we got into the auditorium, we were able to take our mask off, walk across the stage. Our parents could take a picture and then the school took the picture. And then we kind of, but like then left the school and got our diploma. So, so many schools taking different handles on that. Um, and, you know, no way really being the right way, but it's nice to know that you got an experience with that. Um, our local school, actually, they'd put theirs off until the end of July. And then we ended up having a COVID outbreak um, in our town and among the graduating seniors. So theirs got canceled within three hours before it was even to start. Oh, wow. I don't know how much you've thought about or talked about this, but I know from our vantage point and a lot of the conversations I have with people on this podcast, as well as in my own world, it's just been um, learning to grieve the experiences. And, you know, you're living in a time where it's not just closing up one chapter of your life, but opening up another that is so significantly different. You know, you're not just starting out in August the same way you normally would. This is a, this is a big time in your life for transition. So are there any things that, you know, you've been able to kind of process as just moving on from or any big feelings that you'd kind of want to express for people who aren't in that spot? Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm not someone... I was someone who was able to luckily get past a lot of, you know, the things like senior prom and a lot of like the senior activities and stuff. So that was nice for me. But I think the one thing that I really feel like I missed out on was saying like one, like kind of seeing my teachers one last time, because I feel like so many of them were have made like such an impact on my life. And so I think that that was one thing of like having one last experience with them or, you know, even having that last quarter of like my senior year to spend with my, you know, teachers. I think that's something that I really kind of, I wouldn't say I necessarily grieved, but it was definitely something that I feel like I missed out on and something that I wish I would have had. You're a special lady. <laughs> this is coming. I'm sitting over here getting all emotional. My husband is, um, he's a current high school teacher and I've been a high school teacher and high school principal. And I just wouldn't have expected that response from you. Um, you know, that I, I suppose it, it's a vantage point that we just take so much for granted all the time that we spend together when we're in schools that sometimes teachers just, the days become long and the years become short. And though you love every class and the students in front of you, you don't expect that they kind of feel that same way all the time. So that was really beautiful. What a beautiful share. And I definitely think that, you know, teachers and principals and they, they aren't told enough how much we appreciate them because I think that every single student, even if they, you know, gave you a really hard time, I'm sure that they really appreciated everything that, you know, you've done for them because, you know, I emailed my principal the other day and I was like, you, cause I asked if I could, I'm going to bring some of them uh, gifts just to say, and like, thank you notes. But, um, and I said like, you just, you aren't told enough. And I hope, you know, like we appreciate like everything you do for our community because, you know, it's kind of a thankless mm. job. Wow. But you know what? You're a perfect example of why the vast majority of educators do what they do. Erin, that's so beautiful. And I think it's an opportunity to share with the listeners how you and I got connected because I'm sure they're a little bit curious. <laughs> this is the first time you and, ever, I, and I have ever talked, but I understand why. Um, I don't remember what month it was, but Joe Sanfilippo had tweeted and said, uh, Sarah Johnson, you got to get these, this lady on your in-awe podcast. And so I followed up with it because I knew that um, when Joe says something, he's got a wise way about him. I hate to have to admit that. And it's almost embarrassing that I just praised him so well in public, but 
Uh, I can see why, um, because you had been at a conference, and as I understand it, you were a student panelist at that conference, and um, just clearly have a really beautiful wisdom about you um, in your what we would consider your young adulthood. And so kudos to you, Joe. Thanks for giving me this recommendation, because look at that. We've already gained so much from the value from our conversation so far. But do you want to talk a little bit about that opportunity that you had to speak on a panel at a conference of a bunch of educators? Yeah, so I think it was definitely interesting to hear all of the different questions that educators had for students about what we can do to make, you know, the school environment a better place. And it was kind of nice to talk about the different programs that, you know, I've been like I participated at Loveland High School, the high school that I attended and how that's impacted me. And then also just what we can do in the future of how can we help students with the unique challenges that maybe, you know, older kind of teachers don't really understand and can't necessarily aren't maybe aware of or can't connect with themselves because they haven't felt it themselves, but how can they empathize and how can they help grow their students? Whether it was your response or someone else's, what, what could be one of the keys that you could gift to my listeners right now? I think just understand that students, and this was something that someone else said, but that students have good and bad days just like everyone else, and they might be having a really bad mental day but that doesn't mean that they're not trying and that doesn't mean that they're not giving the percentage that as much as they can. And so I think that there's a lot of students who have, you know, mental health issues or they have, you know, a learning disability or something that holds them back. And that means that maybe they can't give 100% that day, but they're going to give you the best percentage that they can. And that's, you know, part of, I think your role is accepting that and kind of helping them grow to Mm. that percentage. That's so good. Um, That growth piece is something that uh, in education, we throw around the growth mindset a lot. Um, But I, I really wanted to cue back into something you had said, is that your joy in that or what you found interesting was the opportunity to share with older teachers. And God, I hate to have to admit, like, I bet I'm one of those now. I mean, after almost being in education for 20 years, you start to become um, removed generationally. And the way I was raised, I have this, my, I have a, an 11 year old and I'm thinking about this constantly in my home because I'm a Gen X just on the, you know, just barely escaped the millennial um, generation, which straddles between you and I you're considered Gen Z. Um, and you know, you grow up very differently than I did. And so I can imagine, you know, I've worked with teachers that are near the end of their careers who uh, same, they look at me like, you're nuts. Like, (laughs) what do you mean this or that? And so just speaking generationally, I think is something we probably don't do enough in education when we try to build empathy, because there are some things that are always going to be true and relationship building is always going to be at the heart. But I think, um, what you're hitting on is that it's just important to always remember that kids are humans. And we also know that Gen Z, your generation in particular, has struggled with the highest rates of mental health challenge than any other um, generation. And so I think it's interesting that you point that out. um, And a good reminder for all of us, really. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and a really important thing for teachers is that I've sat in, you know, so many different classrooms. And I know if I'm a number or if my teacher really wants to connect with me and really wants to 
and really cares about me. And so I've been in both situations and I feel so lucky to have been in so many different classrooms where the teacher, you know, cares about how my life is going and wants to see me improve and wants to see me do better because like, those are the people that have made an impact on me. And I think just really understanding your students and understanding their lives is really important because even if you teach them nothing about history or math in that class, you've taught them something so much better, which is that someone cares about them. Yes, that's a sound bite right there. Erin, that's perfect. And I also think it's so interesting, you know, you have sat in so many different classrooms and, you know, obviously every teacher has, every educator has been in classrooms, but they only have their own experience, right? I'm glad to hear that you had educators that overcame that and and really were mindful about what's important. It sounds like you had a good um, high school career. Well, so let's yes. talk about some of that because I worry that we could diverge pretty far. I'm so fascinated by you. Um, I love how articulate you are, and I want the listeners to hear some of the really crazy, awesome experience, leadership experiences that you've had already in your young life. Um, do you want to just start out telling us, even if you want to talk about Tigers, Inc., or any one of the projects that you were a part of? Yeah, so um, one of the things that my school started or my school's business team or my school's business teacher rather um his name is mr mernan and he started this student-led nonprofit that functioned as a class that was called tigers inc and so there were three cohorts we had a marketing team which kind of marketed for the class and we had an investing team that was uh invested money into the stock market they raised money and then invested it And then we had my cohort, which was centered around, which was called the strategic project management cohort. And we were trying to spread design process methodology within our community, which is a process that focuses on culminating the most solutions possible, kind of subtracting that practicality and then adding that back into the process. And it's non-linear and iterative. And I think it really teaches students to fail forward And I think that that's really the future of education, which is to kind of teach students to keep going. And if that's one skill that students take away from their educational career, that's a lifelong skill that every student needs. And so that was a really unique opportunity because it was experiential learning. So we did a lot of hands-on assignments and our teacher acted as an advisor. So it was really about, you know, our ability to take hold of projects and run with them. And that was a really unique opportunity where there wasn't a bunch of oversight, you know, it was kind of reliant on you and your work ethic. And I think that was a really, really good experience for me because it really helped me mature in my, you know, in project management and kind of making sure that everything was on task and really assigning practical deadlines and understanding that everything doesn't have to be perfect for it to be good. That is um, just a ton of wisdom that you've tossed at us. And what a beautiful experience you're able to have already clearly um, preparing you to lead forward into the future. And I love so much that you, I mean, you use a term like iterative and being able to fail forward and grow. And I think that probably no other time do we understand the need for this than now. Like if you think about it, and I'm, I don't know what communication you've gotten from your university, but I know schools just trying to reopen are probably on their, you know, Z.2 plan. <laughs> like, there's a lifting that's yes. happening right now. 
So how exciting that you've already had an experience like that. Um, you talked about the fact that, that design methodology was meant to solve problems. So what are some of the specific problems that your crew worked on? So we led students, a group of students from five different schools, and we paired with um, kind of a leadership team from the other five schools. And we led students through negative parental involvement in youth sports because it's kind of a problem that students can you know, empathize with most students have experienced, you know, a parent yelling at a game or, you know, someone stepping over the line. And then there's kind of other ways of doing it where a parent is over-involved and kind of playing politics to get their child ahead. And so like that sort of negative parental involvement. And so we led them through and kind of taught them that design process methodology by having them culminate solutions of how to solve negative parental involvement in youth hmm. sports. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, and sounds like we could replicate that across the country. <laughs> from, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, yes, it sounds like a good project. And then you also, I know we're a part of um, leading elementary school students with hands-on activities. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So my team also organized a student-led innovation day where we kind of almost showcased the different activities that our high school had to offer for the future by leading them through hands-on activities. So like our debate club would lead them through like a little mock debate that they could, you know, be like pack lunch or buying lunch and, you know, have them debate that. And unfortunately that day was canceled due to the coronavirus, but we um, kind of had that all. And we'd like to see that, or at least I'd like to see that carried out this year, if it's possible towards the end of the year. But um, I think that that's definitely kind of a good experience for the students to kind of see the elementary students to see what the high school has to offer and just kind of allow them to have a brain break almost from, you know, the everyday. And also the high school students of kind of, I think that you learn the most Mm. from teaching. Yeah, there's a lot of research that backs that up, too. You are accurate with that. We were able to retain the most when we're able to teach it. So that's really cool that you were able to kind of create that cyclical um, support in, at the levels. So quick curiosity on these projects. Were these something that you dreamed up then? Or how much support did you have from your teacher to create these opportunities, like these community outreach? Um, you, one more. I know I asked you a question, but you also worked uh, with a local boutique for an inventory problem. Like, how did you get into these different problems to control the help the solution so part of it was kind of our generation or our like thought generation within um my like Mm -hmm. team of people and then definitely with my teacher and he kind of helped us get in the door with some places like we definitely didn't just get the boutique like right away we kind of um someone in our marketing um cohort actually like worked at the boutique so we were able to get a hold of the owner and kind of talk to her about what issues she had and how we could help and then once we kind of got through that then she was able to kind of allow us to help about these real world experiences that are just so powerful um that like you said this this could be the future it should be the future of education this project-based 
focus. Um, so you have had a lot of really great experiences. A question for you. Uh, you know, I see you wrote to me about the fact that you were able to speak with um, the Ohio Secretary of State um, and that you've served in these high capacity leadership experiences already. Is this something that you just naturally sought out because it's in your personality? Do you have particular goals? Do people see it in you and just kind of pluck you up and place you in these spots? How does that work for you in your leadership journey? Um, I think that definitely part of it with a lot of the other organizations like golf, um, it's just my passion, you know, and I, I want to, you know, I think my freshman and sophomore years, I had, you know, a lot of issues with, I think I had like a lot of social anxiety about different things. And so, you know, the juniors and seniors helped me so much to make me feel comfortable and just really help me. And so I think that part of that with golf and a lot of the other organizations I'm a part of was me wanting to help students do, you know, help the underclassmen do the same that I've, you know, had the privilege of, you know, participating in or kind of having that, you know, leadership of. So I think that's definitely part of it. And then, you know, I think that, I think that I've definitely also had like a lot of teachers believe in me and, you know, want to push me to grow. And I think that's helped with mm, a lot of it that's as well. beautiful. What I'm hearing from you too, and, and I'm excited about the future with you in it, Erin, is you're just, uh, a very civic and um, other person-minded, like a you have a gift of, of wanting to give back. And I know you expressed to me that you have a passion for um, women in business and women entering male-dominated fields. And so I would like to explore that conversation just a little with you. But I wanted to make sure to pour into you a little bit because not every person, no matter their age, has that mindset. I look at, um, specifically when we talk about women, and um, if we're looking at the, the percentages of women who make it to high levels of corporations, it's very, it's low. And when even in the education field, I've shared this stat on our podcast so many times, but we have um, this at least 70 to 80% of the teaching field is made up of women, but the administrative field at the high school levels is still 25%, superintendencies 25%. And so that would be considered, you know, in industry for education, what you're talking about, male dominated at those levels. And we know that a huge part of that has to be mentors, like you talked about people seeing things in you, but then sponsors, it's like you did for the freshmen and the sophomores when you were in upperclassmen, you sponsored those people and provided opportunities for them as well. And so that's just, it's, it's a seed that's inside of you. That's just beautiful. And I can't wait, like we got to connect again in five, 10 years and see where you're at. What do you think stoked the excitement, the passion for you for this idea that at the stage that you're at to say you have a passion for women in business and women entering male dominated fields? Where did that come from? Um, I think it's just that, you know, I've been that girl that's been, you know, I think I've been on both sides of the equation of I've been that timid person who's so scared. You know, I've been so intimidated that I don't want to be that bossy girl that, you know, all of the guys are like, you know, annoyed to work with, but I was that girl in Tiger's Inc. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to 
be assertive. And I think that other girls shouldn't either. And I'm going to, you know, my major is finance and that's has a lower female percentage than a lot of the other business fields. And I think that, you know, part of it is women stepping up and saying, this is something that I'm interested in. And this is something that I will pursue. And even if, you know, I'm intimidated in certain environments of kind of pushing past that intimidation to get other girls in the door. So beautiful. And you are already able to make this distinction between uh, that perception of bossy and assertive, which is huge. That's going to serve you so well. I don't think I had processed that probably until I was in my third year in college. <laughs> I, I didn't understand the difference. Maybe I was just, uh, maybe I just was blind, but um, I just appreciate that. And anybody listening can hear that you are clearly an assertive, brilliant thinker and you're, this world needs your, your mind and your heart and your spirit for sure. So please never put a shade over that no matter what life brings you. I hope that you hear that from me. Well, and I think that someone who is, you know, kind of preaches this a lot and talks about women getting their foot in the door and then helping other women. Her name is Dara Tresseter. And she was the, I think she just left her role, but she was the CMO of Carbon. And I, she switched to Peloton. I don't know what her current role is, but she has a lot of wisdom and so many different things of kind of not being afraid to be assertive. And once you get your foot in the door, you know, she mentors so many different people and has mentors herself of, you know, creating that female network of helping each other and knowing that just because you've gone somewhere, you should be helping someone else get to oh, that I love place. it. I love it. We have these conversations a lot on the In Awe podcast, but I've never been able to have one with uh, a person at the stage of life that you're in. And it's just really refreshing to hear how passionate and knowledgeable you are. Um, it's really exciting, Erin. I could geek about this for a while. So I, I have one more question for you before we move into our standard. I'm just curious if you had the opportunity to just put out in the world what your dream is you're gonna you you're gonna be studying finance what is it that you want to do with that knowledge in the future so eventually I'd like to end up in managing a company in some sort of leadership position um, by the end of my career but I think that you know I think that there's something you know I just want to work and I kind of want work to be my life. And I know that that's not always the most popular opinion, especially for girls. But I think that that's something that, you know, more girls shouldn't be afraid to say, like, I want that to be my mm. main priority and is to work and get better. Because I feel like with my work, with whatever it is, I see so much potential of like, I can just keep growing. And I think that that's something that pushing myself further and further is something that I enjoy so much. It's beautiful. And I love how you said that we shouldn't have to be apologetic about what's inside of us. And I do believe that there is a social norming that can happen with genders on that. And so I appreciate that. And if you could read a journal that I wrote, I remember it was creative writing at the end of my senior year. My teacher said, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I said, living in New York, an apartment on my own. I don't have a boyfriend. 
I don't have kids. I don't have any of that. I just love my job. And I leave in the morning when it's dark and I come home at night when it's dark and my nieces come to visit me on the weekend, my nieces and nephews. I mean, that's what, that's the vision I had for my life. So I would say, um, that was, that was a sense, but I didn't, I felt the same. Like I felt like I had to be apologetic about that, but it's funny because a year later I met the man that I'm married to now after, you know, 17 years. And I've been an educator, a small town with two kids of my own. So I never had that vision come to, <laughs> but I think it's beautiful to have dreams and to constantly be assessing them and just to, you you know, for the world to hear your message, Erin, that you don't have to be apologetic, um, no matter how you're kind of feeling about what, what society thinks about that, about you right now, you are so welcome here. This message is, is landing and it's so beautiful. And I'm just proud to have you on the podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. And I think it's so important for women to kind of get past all of the people who are going to say, cause I've heard it. I've heard it from my own dad, honestly, of like, oh, you're going to settle down and you're going to have 10 kids and you're going to, you know, love your life and everything. And you're just, you're going to find some nice boy. And it's like, but I don't want that to be the priority in my life. And I don't think any other woman should, you know, have to feel that same way of like feeling that pressure, like, oh, well, I don't want this, you know, stereotypical, like white picket fence life. And I think that that's a really important thing that we should be teaching young girls is that they don't have to have that vision in their life and they never have mm-hmm. to live up to that. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. Um, when we get off the podcast, I'll email you a couple of uh, books that I've read on this topic and actually um, co-authored a book on work-life balance because as being a mom and a wife, uh, but also driven in my career as well, um, you know, I was I was a principal by the time I was 30, um, those kinds of things, there's a, there's a push and a pull there. And yet we don't, we don't acknowledge the fact that that's way more present for women. Um, you know, when they're trying to do the jobs and trying to have a family, should we have to choose between the two? You know, this is a really interesting conversation to have. And I, and I'll be interesting to see, you know, where you're, where you end up landing in your future. Um, and you're right. uh, It doesn't have to be what other people envision for you. It gets to be what you decide. And that's the beautiful part about how we, you know, where we live and how we live and, and having a voice and having our own thoughts and our own brains. And so we're fortunate, aren't we, to live in the time that we do. It's awesome. Erin, I need to ask you the two standard questions, and I'm going to have to force myself to stop this interview because I've just been enjoying you so very much. But the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I would say don't be so hard on yourself and don't hold yourself to a standard of perfection because you'll never, ever, you know, perfection is not possible and you won't be able to live up to it and you'll never truly achieve happiness. And I think that, you know, for so long in my life, I criticized myself for so many things. You know, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, good enough at this, like to this level of perfection that I would never be able to achieve to finally just realize that that's just something that, you know, I think that that's kind of something that's ingrained in young girls as well of this notion of perfection and, and that they, you know, have to be perfect in order to uh, be accepted. But I think that truly the only person who needs to be accepted by, you know, accept you is you. And I think that once you accept yourselves, you know, yourself, then other people are able to truly love you for who you are and love all of the wonderful imperfections about you. <laughs> yes. Oh, Erin, I'm on your ticket, lady. Um, this is, yeah, so good. And um, just really 
helpful, I think, for a lot of our listeners and just knowing that many of the people I've had on the podcast share a lot of the same sentiment. And I think that's a, it's going to be a continuous journey for a lifetime is just being able to allow yourself to be who you were made to be and to accept who that person is and not the person you're trying to create. And that's a really beautiful message coming from you. How about this one? If we have listeners who find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? understand that your future has so many different possibilities and that there isn't one, you know, I think I put myself in this position where it's like, oh my God, if I don't get this ACT score, then I can't get into this college and my life will be ruined. And I put myself on this track where it's like, there is no other way, but there are so many different paths to your life that, you know, kind of get yourself out of it by understanding that if one thing doesn't work out, it's for the right reason. And that another thing will. Again, spoken like a wise young woman. Thank you for that. I'm certain that that hit somebody. And the beautiful part is uh, it doesn't matter what phase of life that the listeners are at. I know that that is something that we're all facing right now with a lot of different uncertainties. And so that's a beautiful gift of your message that transcends again. Um, so I want to wish you, Erin, just the best. I'm so excited. By the time this airs, you will already be at your college and we'll kind of see how that's going for you. And, you know, the future is bright for you, no matter what that looks like with this upcoming year or short term. I'm just so excited that you are sharing all of this wisdom with us. And I just want to wish you the absolute very best in these next couple of weeks. How about this? If the <laughs> listeners want to be able to engage with you after this interview, is there a way that they could be in touch with you? Um, my Instagram is D-I-C-K-M-A-N dot E-R-I-N. Okay. And so I will be sure to link that so that listeners can follow your journey and they can um, communicate with you about how amazing you are and just be able to connect after this interview. That's awesome. So thank you very, very much, Erin. I just wish you all the best. Thank you. Before you head out, I wanted to be sure to invite you, my friends and listeners of the In Awe podcast, into a free five-day workshop that I am launching on September 14th to serve you in going beyond balance. It will be delivered through a private Facebook group, which is open now, and people are building community ahead of the launch. Friends, please do this for yourselves. Join me using the link in the show notes. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.